Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to those of you watching online. Uh, Today is Vision Sunday, right across our services, all 10 of our in-person services, and of course, those of you joining online, we are having a great day. We are sharing a little bit of what's been going on in the life of the church, and we're praying and looking to the future. And hopefully you've got one of these on your seat, uh, the Saint Autumn Update, if you want to get that out and have a look at it. I was going to say, like, if it's too hot, you can fan yourself, but no chance of that, right? But you can take it and, like, just, you know, use it for, like, um, I don't know. I was thinking of, like, doing a poster of, like, Kaz's album on the back, but no, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't, wouldn't work. Um, so listen, you can take this and you can find out all about what's going on in the life of the church. And also you will have on your seat uh, an opportunity to give and later on we're going to be taking up an offering and I'll say more about that later. But with a little, um, a little gratitude, I want us as a church to mark these moments. We do them twice a year and they are, if you're a visitor by the way, these are moments when we kind of look back couple of times a year, like what's going on in the life of the parish, the life of the community, the life of saint. And we just give thanks to God for all that he's doing. And honestly, it's crazy. Have a little look at the screens. Here's a little taster of what's been happening over the last year. How good is that? So exciting. What's the vision? Well, simply this. The vision is to bring hope to the people of East London in Jesus' name. That our streets will be filled with hope, with love, with Life, the lonely welcome, the hungry fed, the lost found, the homeless housed, the young empowered, the elderly dignified, people who don't think they fit and don't think they're welcome would realize that they are accepted and loved in Jesus' name, that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive and his church is alive in our generation. Amen. That's the vision. That's why we're here. And every one of us can play our part. Real simple, three ways. Number one, come. Be in the room. Don't be a submarine Christian. That means don't pop up every few weeks for air and then disappear again. Be in the room. Help build this. I got an email from Michael and Karen. They're new to church. I asked their permission before I shared this, just in case you're worried if you write to me, I'll just read out your emails on Sunday. They said this. It was good to chat on Sunday. They came last week. Wanted to introduce ourselves. We don't like being spectators. Karen and I have been visiting Saint over the last few months, and we would love to make Saint our home. We're happy to get stuck in wherever. We'll get into a group. We'll sign up to serve. We'll turn up and get to know people and take it from there. That's the vision. Come. Secondly, everyone help. Find a place where you can help. Once a term. Once a month. Oh, I love Rebecca, who was here this morning with her little one. Rebecca is a mum. Uh, she's in her 20s. She's super busy. She has a gorgeous little boy. They were here. They come in the morning, but she comes back in the evenings and she helps run the cameras. She was here last week talking about her experience on Alpha. Could you come and help? You know, in church, the Sunday team, the cafe. Could you come and help at the lighthouse? And then thirdly, everyone giving, because the reality is visions cost money and no one else is going to pay for this. It's just on us. This is our privilege. So I asked Josh, one of our treasurers, to give us a little update on the finances of the church. And again, this is housekeeping if you're a visitor. We do this twice a year, but we are, as a family, stewarding what God's doing here, and we're all in it together. So Josh, give us an update. Hey, it's Josh Alamalai, one of the treasurers here at Saint, with an update on our finances as a church this autumn. Saint is one church meeting across multiple parishes around the city and our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London in Jesus' name. 
To make this vision a reality in practical terms, we depend on every one of our members playing their part. With my numbers hat on, let me get a bit technical and tell you a little bit about the cost of making this vision a reality. Our projected expenditure as SANE across all our locations is £2,169,000. This is the total cost of the ministry and mission of the church, including our pastoral care, work with young people, lighthouse, alpha, bills, buildings, operations. That's the cost of making the vision a reality. Then against this cost, we are currently anticipating income of £1,782,000. This is made up of planned, regular giving, projected income and existing support towards this vision. So that means our giving target today is £387,000. That's the gap between the cost of the vision and making this vision a reality. This is an extraordinary time in history for the church to be courageously generous. Thousands are looking to us for hope at this moment. Our services have grown 28% in the past year as we welcome new people. We look after hundreds of young people each week, vulnerable people. The vision is currently supported by 364 of our members who give regularly. The average amount given each month is £230, and that works out at £83,720 a month, leaving a monthly gap of £64,500 per month over the next six months. That's why your regular giving can make such a difference. Whether it's increasing your current gift to beat inflation or starting to give regularly today, our prayer is that as every one of us plays our part, we'll see the gap close and this vision become a reality. And of course, every penny makes a huge difference. Even a small regular gift of just a few pounds buys a hot meal for someone in need at Lighthouse. Can I encourage you to be generous today? Please fill in the cards on the seats or visit saint.church forward slash give where you can update your regular giving, give a one-off gift or set up a brand new regular gift today. Together, we can do this. We can make a huge difference. We can see hope change lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for Josh. Josh is like the most cheerful treasurer in the world. I love Josh. Liv and I, my wife, we moved to Hackney um, around six years ago. This autumn, it's our sixth anniversary. And not long after I got to Hackney, I did one of my first funerals I'd ever taken. One of the first funerals I did here was for a teenage boy. And he was stabbed to death about 350 meters from where I'm speaking to you today. It was a funeral that was like no other I've ever taken. And I was um, struck by two things. Number one, just a sense of utter hopelessness. There were hundreds of young people packed into the building. And yet there was this sense of hopelessness. The second thing that struck me was just how organized the funeral was. I mean, it was really well organized. There was a team of private security guards in suits with earpieces. Everything was run perfectly, like someone had been organizing it with a spreadsheet. And I realized that what I was looking at, of course, was like a military funeral run by an organized crime gang. The bosses probably weren't there. They were probably hiding behind a spreadsheet somewhere. But as I stood over the coffin as it went into the ground and I had this sense of utter brokenness, 
I was like, Lord, I can't do anything to help these kids. I try to talk about Jesus. But I was up against something that was so well-funded and so organized and so big and so hard to compete against that I left that day with a sense of real hopelessness. And I walked away and I began to, to talk to Liv, actually. I was going to say I began to pray. I didn't. I went home just completely in a mess, if I'm really honest with you. And thankfully, I'm married to someone amazing. Um, and Liv said to me, hey, this is why God's called us here. We need to pray. And she's far more godly than me, so she starts praying. We've been praying almost every day since that God would bring a move of God onto these streets in East London. That God would fill churches with young people, not for funerals, but because Jesus is alive. Jesus is bringing hope. And something in me broke. And honestly, when something breaks in your heart, you'll know this, you pray different. And the crazy thing is, in the six years that we've been here since that funeral, God has begun to answer that prayer in the most remarkable way. Do you know what he did? He sent you. He sent you. Who? Me? Yeah, you. You may not realize this, but you're the answer to live and I's prayers. If you're watching this online, wherever you're watching this, you're the answer to our prayers. Not me with my issues, my doubts, my anxiety, my lack of capacity, capability, my overdraft, my finances, my fears. My, my life is in a mess. I've got all these. You know what? God has said you'll do. God has got a plan because he's not stupid. He knows that it's, it's people like us who make history. Little acts of kindness, persistent, prayerful, stepping out in love. And not only has he called you, but there's a second part to it. I believe he is anointing you. What does that mean? Well, he's going to fill you with his power so that where things are impossible in your own strength, the Bible tells us nothing is impossible with God. You may have a dream. You may think it's impossible. I know some of you do. I've spoken to you. Humanly speaking, yeah, it's crazy. But with God, all things are possible. The difference is, what's fueling you? What's the power? What's motivating and empowering you? And what I've entitled the talk today is simply this, God is anointing you. Not the person next to you, you. You, 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 you. I could do this for a couple of hundred years, but you, those of you watching online, God is anointing you. Our reading tonight comes from Isaiah 61. It'll be familiar to you, but I've asked the congregation across all our locations to read it. So have a look at the screens. Here is Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4 and verse 7. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. 
and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of the ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will restore the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. God is anointing you. Verse one, to proclaim good news. You may say, hey, I'm not much of a proclaimer of good news. You know, the scripture when it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. I'm not that kind of person. I'm an introvert. I'm an INTJ. I'm a whatever your, you know, so, your, your profile is. What's the one where the, um, what you do Tando, what's it called? Yeah, that one five he's a five whatever that means you may say I'm not into proclaiming I couldn't do that I've seen the guy with a megaphone on the street that's not my vibe well let me tell you I beg to differ I beg to differ you don't have to shout at people but I've watched how people read your lives how people are inspired by your example I mean I know because I I help on alpha Alpha began on Wednesday. It's not too late to join. 101 people turned up on the first night right across East London. In West Ham, we've partnered with the Chinese church in London. It's running a Cantonese group and an English group. They've got the best food, let me tell you that. It's amazing. But here in our group, it was so fun. I had the best Alpha group on Wednesday night. We went around the group, and one of the questions we would ask on the first night is, how did you come to be here? And we went around literally every single person was like, oh, my boss, Des, he said I should come. My flatmate said I should come. My professor at uni said I'd love Alpha, so I've come and I brought a friend. Most of them have never been near church before. It was so fun. Not that I don't love you guys, but here are people who are asking questions. It's not too late to join. You're inviting people, binding up, as Isaiah continues, binding up the brokenhearted, proclaiming freedom, for the captives. Let's have the scripture up, please. Loving those caught in prisons of guilt. I think of Johnny and Penny. Johnny and Penny open up their home. I saw them on the way in here. They run a connect group. And whenever I meet people in church, I'm like, hey, is it your first time here? Have you done Alpha? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you should get stuck into a connect. Are you, are you in a connect group? And the six o'clock service, whenever I go around, I go, hey, um, you know, are you in a connect group? They say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in Johnny and Penny's connect group. I was like, great. I go to the next person. Are you in a connect group? Yeah, I'm in Johnny and Penny's connect group. And next, yeah, I'm in Johnny and Penny's Johnny and Penny's connect group apparently is in Blackheath. That's like miles away. But everybody goes to their connect group. Why? Because Johnny and Penny are awesome, right? So now I'm not going to ask people, are you in Johnny, like, are you in a connect group? I'm just going to go to people at six o'clock after the service tonight and be like, hey, if you're not in Johnny and Penny's connect group, there are like a whole load of other, you can start a connect group. Come and find a fun place to hang out. Oh, Esther, where's Esther? Oh, we love you, Esther. (laughs) Esther, where are you? Oh, Esther, we love you. Esther runs the cafe at the back and then she's down the front praying for people. Like it's a real dilemma. Like which one do you do? Tea and coffee or the power of God? So Esther's like running. If you see her running backwards and forwards, that's what she's doing. Or Cameron, where's Cameron? 
Cameron, who runs the welcome team. Like, who felt welcome when they came to church tonight, right? It's great, isn't it? When you come to church, it's not like, oh, you again. Sit at the back and shut up. But when Cameron's there, it's like, yay, Cammy! We love you, Cameron. Or Cy Napa, who is a busy guy, but volunteers his time to help with a money course, helping people out who are stuck in debt and wanting to get their finances sorted. I mean, I could carry on. How long have you got? You're comforting as Isaiah continues. You're comforting all who mourn. Have a look with me. Comforting all who mourn. Providing for those who grieve. When the war broke out in, Zion, in um, Ukraine, in Zion, I said comforting for those who grieve in Zion. When the war broke out in Ukraine, within about 48 hours, a member of our congregation had rung me up and they'd said, hey, we want to help. We would love to make a difference. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put together a pot of money, they said, and we're going to start it off, we'll start a fund to help house some refugees. And I was like, great idea, thinking nothing would happen. Within about five days, it was about 20,000 pounds that you gave. Within a week or so, we were able to house a pastor from Ukraine and his daughter, Veronica. She was on the last plane out of Kiev as the bombs fell. And we got them a flat in Leighton, start of April, and we've supported them, you've supported them ever since then with bedding and furniture and bills. And I asked if they could share, if I could share with them. And I got a text from Andre just last night. And he said this, when the war started, I had no resources. But through you, God has provided us with a place to live. Thank you all. And he wanted to be here today. He's actually helping lead a Ukrainian church plant. How fun is that? But he said this, I need at least an hour to express just 10% of my gratitude to you, my brothers and sisters. What an amazing thing. Beauty, Isaiah continues, instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. You know, I love what you do at Lighthouse. I mean, it's not like we're not busy people. Life's expensive. There's a cost of living crisis. But you do something extraordinary. I was speaking to Jazz, who's a member of the 11 o'clock congregation here. Jazz, a lawyer, she's a mum, she has a young family. During lockdown, she used to take a parcel of food and deliver it to someone's house. It's part of Lighthouse. 400,000 odd, I mean, the numbers are extraordinary. They're in this little foldout. 440,000, 400, I'm dyslexic, so it's a really big number. 400,040, anyhow, you get, the, you get the idea. But it's got a one on the end. One of those meals is Jazz's. She took one meal, she delivered it to someone, and she said the moment she handed over that meal to the person who needed it, she suddenly understood. She was like, I get it. This is why I give. She's gone back to the office, as many lawyers have had to do. She says, I can't. She did this. I can't do deliveries now. I'm back in the office. But I know I can still make a difference with my generosity. I mean, could we all help, give, turn up? You're transforming people's lives. I mean, literally, let me play you a little clip. You'll see in this clip, listen to the last few words that one of the guests at Lighthouse says. He says, you're the reason 
that I leave my house. Have a look at this. It's more vital than ever that we've got places like this. Start coming to light us about two months ago, mainly to socialise. I get some thought-provoking conversation. From the guests that come here, fortunately some of them haven't eaten throughout the week and just have just been in a bad place in their life and just are at the moment and just need somewhere to go and somewhere to just people to spend time with. Everyone needs to eat, so the fact that there's places like this that are providing food for people, I think it's really important, more so than ever now. I think we're heading into some desperate times. There's a sense that, from when I'm speaking to people, that things are only going to get worse. I mean, bills are going up. We need human interaction, and coming in here seems like a good vibe. I look forward to coming here, to be able to see people and interact with them. It's such a special thing to be part of and to be able to speak to other people and be able to eat and just get refreshed. There are people who, throughout the week, Nobody says hello to them, and they are human beings. Lighthouse has given me reason to leave my house. Lighthouse, come on everyone. Isn't that amazing? Can we just give it up for our Lighthouse team? But that's not just the guys that you see in the film, that's all of us get to be a part of this. Lighthouse has given me a reason to leave my house. Extraordinary. You're bringing a garment of praise, as Isaiah continues, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. People are hungry today for an encounter with God. A Comrades survey recently found that 17% of adults aged 55 and over are planning to attend a place of worship at some point. But that number, listen to this data, jumps massively the younger you go. Among those aged 18 to 34, 33%, in other words, one in three people in this country are planning, are looking, are hoping to go and attend a place of worship. Why? Because they're longing, not for a spirit of despair, but to wear a garment of praise. God is doing something remarkable in our, in our generation in this moment. And you are at the front line. I think of Vonnie. Vonnie, are you here? Vonnie, I think I saw Vonnie. Is Vonnie here? Oh, Vonnie, you're here. I'm not going to make you stand up. But Vonnie has like the busiest job. She works in the beauty industry. She's flying all over the place. She's so busy. Yet every Sunday almost without fail, Vonnie is here on the worship crew. Where, were you leading this morning, Vonnie? You were in Leighton leading worship this morning. And then you're here tonight. You're doing this, guys. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Helping people connect with God. And then Isaiah continues, oaks of righteousness. I love this. You're growing oaks of righteousness. A planting, listen to the words, for the display of his splendor. I mean, literally, we plant stuff just over the wall on the other side of the gardens. There is a windrush garden, which some of you planted out of the ashes of that injustice of the Windrush scandal. We've managed to plant a garden. And I was there, I was watching, well, when we launched it on Windrush Day in the summer, watching how some of these people who've been in this congregation for 50, 60 years were recognizing, oh my goodness, I haven't seen that grow in this country. I remember it from back home. And 
a little tear. I mean, I was crying. They were crying. It was a moment because we as a church, we're seeing justice restored. We need to play our part in that. We're nowhere near there yet. But could we be the difference? Could we make a change for the environment? Could we help impact in a way that we serve God's creation and restore the world around us? And not just physically, but spiritually, you're growing oaks of righteousness. You know, an oak tree will take 40 years to produce an acorn. And then in a period most fruitful, between 80 and 120 years, don't let anybody ever tell you you're too old to be used by God. In that period, between 80 and 120 years, that oak tree will on average produce 190,000 acorns. It may be small. Don't worry. You're good. That acorn may be tiny, but the impact of it can last for 700 years. Some of the oak trees are. That's how old they are. So last year, I was walking around in Leighton, and Steve Opie, who leads a Leighton location, and I, we were prayer walking, and it was before we launched the new service that started there in Leighton. And we were walking down the streets, and this lady stops us with a pram in the street. She says, stop. I was like, oh no, what's happened? She says, I know who you are, pointing at me. I'm like, oh no, what have I done? She goes, I watched church online during lockdown. I got a note through my letterbox, invited me to Saint Online. I started watching, it's amazing. And she said, I've started coming to church and I'm going to come when you plant the new service. It's going to be great. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Then she said this. She said, when are you going to start Hey Baby here in Leighton? Hey Baby's a thing we run with babies on a Monday morning that's kind of blown up. And I was like, well, we're not going to run Hey Baby here in Leighton. I'm not going to run Hey Baby in Leighton. I said, you're going to run Hey Baby in Leighton. Her name's Davina. She got together with another mum called Nikki. They started making a plan. Last gift day, we gave and we raised some money to help them get their pews restored and get the pews out, get the floor restored. Because up to that point, the floor was all sharp, had nails and splinters and you couldn't use it. And now it's beautiful. They opened their doors recently. Last Monday, I said to Steve, how's it gone? He said, we need more space. We're going to need a bigger church. Over 100 people packed in for Hey Baby on a Monday morning. Do you know, in total, I read this in here, 459 people now attend Hey Baby each week. I said to Zach, is that a mistake? Maybe 45 or 59, but not 459 people attending Hey Baby each week. I mean, that would make it one of the largest toddler baby hangout groups, baby raves in the country. Baby rave. He was like, yeah. It's crazy what's going on. That's what you're doing. I mean, go Davina. That's the best decision I've made. I'm not running Hey Baby. You're running Hey Baby. Look what happens. From tiny acorns, mighty oaks grow when God anoints you. And then the kids. You're growing the faith of these kids. The rooms over in church house packed full of kids nor to 11s on a Sunday morning or youth uh, there's a youth stand at the back but youth has just blown up it's amazing Samuel and your team are doing an incredible job would you guys come and help they'd love like 20 or 30 more helpers in fact if all the Norwegian youth pastors could you not go back to Norway somebody steal their passports we need your help here in London we started with three or four teenagers. Now there's dozens meeting down there on a Sunday morning in St. Luke's. We had a youth-like thing the other night called Youth East for churches across East London. There were over 120 teenagers packed in. It was nuts. And we're just getting going. And I remembered that promise as I stood over that kid's coffin 
six years ago. And that prayer, Lord, don't let the churches be full for funerals. And then I look now on a Sunday and I see life and I see hope and it smells like Jesus is on the move. I had a chat with a parent. I always chat to parents. They always tell me what's going on. I was like, what's going on? And they said, our teenager, I want to thank you. Our teenager loves coming to Saint. She didn't want to come to church. Then she encountered hope. And I said, yeah, you know, that's our vision. Hope for the people who don't know. No, no, hope is a person. Hope, where's hope? Where are you? Hope, where are you? She's somewhere. I saw her. She's hiding. Where's she gone? What's that mean? She's doing an email. Oh, wow. She's, maybe she's emailing the kids. Well, there you go. Well, hope was here a minute ago. But hope is one of our helpers, one of the volunteers with youth. She's busy volunteering right now. But she said, oh, yeah, hope's amazing. I met hope. My kid met hope. My kid wants to come back the next week. She said, hope's interested and interesting. She's fun. She can relate. And that's a family who's totally transformed. You're rebuilding ancient ruins. I mean, physically, look at this place. I remember the first service I did here six years ago. When it rained outside, the rain used to fall inside. The water would come straight through the ceiling down the back of my neck when I stood here preaching. But this building hasn't always looked like this. Hands up if you remember the old St. John of Hackney. Only a handful of us. But we did it up. We had a, like a, a glow up. Someone said to me, oh, your church is really nice. I saw it on the YouTube. It's fancy. You've got a gold, gold background. Wow. How much did that cost you? I didn't want to point this out, but do you know the only bit of this building that we didn't do up? It's the gold background. <laughs> In fact, that's the only bit that hasn't been touched. We just dusted it off. It's been here for decades. But the point is this. When God rebuilds the ancient ruins, he brings out the gold. He restores your life and suddenly what's been there for decades hidden away the talent the treasure the time the call of God on your life suddenly blazes of beauty God is rebuilding the ancient ruins rewiring the culture that's what's so exciting about Renaissance 17th 18th 19th November we've got this amazing gathering of creatives and entrepreneurs from around the world we started this last year real simple vision could we as a church encourage play our part in encouraging every local church around the world to be a cathedral of creativity real simple we're going to help creatives connect with the creator and go back and renew the culture that's it Three days, we're going to gather Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or no, is it Saturday, Sunday? No, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's my 10th service, so forgive me. Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, help me out here, people. It's... And we're going to gather, we're going to worship, we're going to pray. We've got amazing people involved. Upper Room, uh, who are like my favorite worship team. If I had like worship team, like, like, who? After Saint. After Saint. Yeah, obviously after Saint. <laughs> Kaz has given me evils on the front row. My second favorite worship team. Forgive me, Jesus. My second favorite worship team. But like, I listen to their songs. I'm walking the dog in the park. It's like, they're amazing. Anyway, we got this phone call from them last autumn. One of them came and was here for the last renaissance. They were like, we've booked. We're all coming. Like, all of us, we're flying over. And I was like, would you leave worship? They're like, yeah. 
Same with Amanda Cook. She's coming. Oh, and Manus, Mike Pelabachi. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Hundreds of tickets have already gone. And if you haven't got a ticket yet, this is a plug. Go get yourself there. Why are people coming? Well, it's not for a conference, really. It's something deeper. It's because they recognize that God is doing something in you, that God is on you. The ruined cities, as Isaiah continues, look at this, have been devastated for generations. They will renew the ruined cities. You know, we've seen decline in the church in this part of London for a hundred years straight. The graph just goes like that. Only 1% now attend a parish church where we are. Out of a million people, that's about 10,000 people. And what do you do when things go straight down and they get to 1%? Well, you think, well, should we just turn the lights out and go home? Or do we go to the story of Jesus and remember that God is a God of what? Resurrection and life? Well, here's a crazy thought. Could we see that curve reverse? I mean, in the next 10, let's take the next 10 years. Could we say, God, we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're going to give and we're going to help. We're going to turn up. We're going to come. We're going to worship. We're going to love people. We're going to open our doors, open our hearts, open our homes and see if you might move in power on the remnant that's left and renew something extraordinary in our generation. I mean, you know, what would it look like? If we said, well, look, why don't we just say, God, would you, instead of it being 1%, make it 2%? Could we see 1% added? Could we see 10,000 people across East London come to know Jesus in the next 10 years? And I was like, that's a crazy idea. I said to the guys, we're prepping for these services today. I was like, whatever you do, don't share that because everyone's going to think we're mad. That's a crazy idea. And then I was really encouraged because I looked at the, the kind of like the brochure thing that the team put together. And I was like, huh, the services increased 28% last year. It's not normal. What's going on? And then I got my calculator out, my calculator on my iPhone, and I started um, typing. I was like, well, I wonder what if you add, like, well, I know 920 came to church here last weekend. What's 920 plus 28%? Then I thought I'd do it again for next year, year two. Well, it's 1177. Year two, 1500. Year three, 1900. Year four, will it keep going? Five, six, seven, eight. Well, in year nine, it's 8,485. And then you add 28% on that, the same. And you know what? By year 10, you get to the number 10,861. Now, that's just numbers. It's all about the one. doesn't matter. Jesus could come back tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. But the point is, I wonder if it's worth us having a bit of a bigger dream, having a bigger vision for hope. I mean, if organized crime can do it, why shouldn't organized hope have its day? Why shouldn't we get together and make such a dream and such a plan and such a scheme for goodness that in our lifetime we'd see an end to homelessness, an end to poverty, an end to racism, an end to the environmental crisis, a turning around for women's rights around the world, a turning around for justice and inclusion and championing the poor, for a, a, a total revolution, a renaissance of the culture, that the hope and the love and the power of Jesus would become known again in our time. I mean, sign me up for 1%. We'll play our part. Imagine what we could do. The world doesn't need big churches. 
but it needs churches with big love. The world doesn't need size, it needs people who get down on their knees and help people. They pray, they work, they love for the vulnerable, for the addict, for the homeless, for the kids in gangs. And here's the thing, I'm not gonna do it. You are. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because God is anointing you. I mean, if I can do it, you can do it. If I can lead a church, you could lead a church. I wonder what dream God's put in your heart. I wonder what impact you could have. I mean, take being a vicar. I'm a vicar. I'm a rector in the Church of England. I'm not very good at it. I did nine years to get to be a vicar, three years of them figuring out if I was any good, then three years of training and degree, and then three years of like working out how to do like all the stuff, and then eventually after nine years, they let you kind of be a vicar. And it's really quite hard. It's a quite a hard process. And I didn't think I'd get through. I started when I was 30. It took me until I was about 40 to start. I'm 45 now, so that's the maths. But something's changing, and thank God. Because up to now, the Church of England has mainly looked like me, male, pale, and stale. But in the Bible, they don't look like me. I mean, take Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He didn't have a degree. He wasn't frightfully well-spoken. He was just a man of the streets. He was a kid, a teenager. Or take Caleb. I love Caleb in the Old Testament. God used him in a remarkable way. And he carried on in the 80s, 120, carried on serving God well beyond the world's kind of age limits had written him off. I mean, what if we saw a revolution in the way that people lead things? Well, it's happening. We started a thing with a network of churches called the Peter Stream, named after Peter. Paul had various degrees and was frightfully posh. Peter, well, they were like, who's this guy? But God was on Peter, right? Well, we started a Peter stream to fast track people into leadership in the church so I can, you know, get out of the way and they can lead. And another thing called the Caleb stream. This is, again, those who maybe have got some time on their hands, who've had a career, who've done a grown-up job, but have got some time and could use it to make a difference. And it started this summer, and honestly, we are going to see such radical change happen. God is anointing this. The Spirit of God is on this. I'm sure of it, as sure as I am of anything. I want to introduce you to two people who are going to share some stories. Danny, you were being interviewed. Come on up, Danny. Let's welcome her. (laughs) Danny, I interviewed here last Sunday on the live stream. We had baptisms. You were sharing about Alpha. Let me just rewind. A year ago, were you like a regular churchgoer? No, not at all. I literally stepped into Alpha for the first time as a guest last year. Um, yeah, and now I'm running it, so it just feels quite surreal, yeah. So what happened? You had no faith background, but like, what does it feel like for you now? What's Jesus done in your life? Yeah, he's completely transformed and saves my life um, and just has done so much change that I would never have been able, been able to do myself. So it's been incredible. It's honestly changed my life. So we could stop there, and that's like, thank you so much, come and do Alpha, but what happens after Alpha? Alpha is just the first letter of the Greek alphabet. It's what happens next that is so exciting. So 
you came to Focus. 329 of us went on holiday together, Festival Focus. And at Focus, something happened. Just tell us a little bit of what's going on. Yeah, so um, there was a, it was my first time at Focus. And um, there was a moment where they, people were called forward if they felt like a call in ministry. And um, I was having a bit of a back and forth of God. I was like, nah, not me. I'm like a local girl, East London. Nobody wants me up there, please. I'm fine back here. And... Um, there was uh, someone on stage who was like, someone is having an actual back and forth of God right now. And I was like, great. I thought this was a secret, God. And um, so I walked forward, but in being stubborn, I walked around the corner um, where apart from my saint crew. And um, Naomi and I, um, sorry, Al saw me there. And um, yeah, I got just completely, I don't know, something just happened in me that I just just stepped forward and was ready to go into this space of potentially becoming ordained. So you started training in September. So exciting. Danny, thank you so much. Wow. Leroy. So that's the Peter stream, the Caleb stream. God saves the best wine till last. Now, Leroy, tell us a little bit about your life. I mean, you are... I was going to say renowned around here. It makes you sound pretty dodgy. But no, you've, you've had a, a past in Hackney. Tell us about your story. Well, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a hope dealer. And uh, yeah, I'm a, a local person uh, born in Islington and um, did my education in Hackney. Went to college here and um, ended up doing a science degree in University of East London, Newham. From there, I thought my life was charted as a scientist, and then from it moved on. I got caught by the vocation of policing in 1983, and uh, it, it was a real struggle, as you can imagine, for, for 30 years, because it doesn't really celebrate diversity as it should. But uh, with the support of my wife and the rest of the family, I um, struggled through. My anchor was my faith. And uh, we helped set up the Black Police Association, which uh, has had a, a magnificent um, change in the organization, even though some of it's eroded back. And then um, I was, a third of my service was here in Hackney. I was the deputy borough commander here. Uh, in fact, one of my offices was just right across the yard there. Uh, it's now school. Um, so everything's been so clear that, well, you'd only be a forensic scientist to know when God's in the house, you know? So, uh, yeah. So you, I mean, Leo, you're being very modest. Your, your life has been made into a book, a film by Steve McQueen, a part of the Small Axe celebration of Black Britain. Um, you were played by John Boyega of Star Wars. Yeah. He played you in your own life story. He won a Golden Globe for playing Leroy Logan. So you, you're a bit of a legend. And then you made the mistake of coming to Focus with Saint this summer. And now you've been coming to church here for, I think, about a year. And then you came on to Focus. Tell us what happened. Why did you come to Focus? What happened when you got there? Well, I, I don't think it was a mistake. I, I think it was uh, a, a real sort of uh, clarity of being here a year, feeling so welcomed. Um, Des Brown, I don't think he's here today, um, said, listen, um, this, this is your place. And then Al, you sort of said, well, come on, let's go to focus. And Gretel, my wife said, okay, we're going to focus. I said, okay, don't. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and I knew something was going to happen, but, but I, I didn't know it was going to strike me in terms of Caleb's stream. Um, and uh, I remember seeing the amazing graduates coming through, as well as Peter Stream, and I thought, no, no, this, this is not me. I'm just too busy. I'm in the book and the film and the speaking engagements. 
And then um, I was walking out the tent and I saw Nicky Gumbel standing there um, a day later. And uh, has anyone been gumbled before? <laughs> <laughs> I got totally gumbled and the rest is history. Um, I, I did have reservations and I remember when I was um, thinking about it, Gretel said to me, nah, are you sure about this? Anyway, God's got a sense of humor and he's going to show you something. And yeah, it's been amazing. Started, um, actually we started on the um, 8th of September and some of you might know that's the day the Queen died. And um, when we started, it, we didn't know that, of course, but there was something about what you said um, the following weekend about from grief there is renewal. And I truly believed that renewal for me personally was Caleb's stream. And uh, yeah, the retreat we had last weekend was just amazing. Um, great people like Nate, uh, Tammy, you know, it just John and Jackie Palmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know they're away somewhere, so hopefully they're um, tuning in on stream. But yeah, I just feel that it's time and place. And then I was just thinking, um, I've got a hashtag for it, you know, from policing to priesthood. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Leroy Logan, thank you so much. Bless you, brother. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is anointing you. I wonder what he's put in your heart. And I wonder how you're going to respond. Because, of course, it's easy to put it and file it and forget about it. Walk out of here and think, well, that was nice. But when God puts his hand on your life, it's a moment where we have to respond. It's up to us what we do, of course. But let me encourage you that when you decide to, to come and to, to help and to give and to get stuck in, amazing things are going to happen. I mean, look, look what happens. Verse 7. Let's have verse 7 up of Isaiah 61. It continues. Instead of your shame, this is the promise of what happens when God anoints you and fills you. Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand together? And I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come and then we're going to be very practical. In a moment, we're going to have a chance to fill in one of these forms. But first, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. And then we'll have a moment with pens and we can write and, and have a chance to respond and we don't want to do this in our own strength. We want the Holy Spirit to do this. So come, Holy Spirit. If you're watching online, just be still. Take a moment and let God meet with you. Come, Holy Spirit. Let God anoint you today. You might want to hold your hands out. It's a sign to God that you want to receive from him. It's the opposite of saying, well, you know, I dare you, God, you know, saying, Lord, here I am. Come, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, full afresh in this place.
come. And you know, there are a bunch of things, I believe, as we have prayed tonight, coming into this evening, and even as I've spoken this evening, there are things I've talked about where your heart has almost like skipped a beat as I've talked about gangs, I've talked about youth work, I've talked about um, the vulnerable, women's rights, I've talked about making a difference, the environment, you've been like, yep, that's me, that's what gets me up in the night. And what we want to do as a church is just say yes and amen to that because that's not just you, that's God putting his hand on you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because he's anointing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.